This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original series. I'm Norman Lau, and we have a really great show for all of you today. For probably the last couple of weeks, we have been doing our essential podcasts, and this is going to be a retrospective for the last three episodes that we've done that were called The Essentials Collection. And with me to talk about this retrospective are none other than Mr. Atos himself, Jeffrey Harlan. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just stepped out of a uh, wave rider and uh, I'm uh, on the shuttle deck and I'm here and ready to go. We have a lot to discuss and I know that you have a lot of your fan favorites that were represented in the top 15. And also with us, as he is always, is our chief, Ken Tripp. Chief, how are you? I'm doing well, Norm. Good to see you, Jeff. And guys, it's been um, it's been a couple of weeks, so we're, I'm ready to get going with this and start talking about this this list that we've been working on for so long. And thrilled to get all the numbers in from the Babel Conference. That's great that you brought that up because one of the things that we wanted to do after we did our specific individual podcasts were to make sure that we were listening to you, our listeners, and our fans on the Babel Conference, and engage with you to see if we were close to the mark with our choices and whether or not you agreed with us and how we were going to rank those in terms of what we believed were correct and, and what you believed uh, your choices would have been based on the top five per season that we did for the last three episodes of Standard Orbit. So without further ado, because we do have a lot to cover, I'd like to do a recap for each of those podcasts, starting with 119, then 120 and 121, and just let everyone refresh their memory on what we picked for the top five episodes per season. So let's start off with what we covered in episode 119. That would have been the final of uh, the essential season one. And Ken, would you mind taking us through the top five episodes that we chose for season one? And and also, uh, before we get started, we do have, I think, a couple of episodes that we feel should have been in there from our options that never really made it on that list because the three of us represented that list, not just one individual voice. So go ahead, Ken. Sure. So for season one, number five, this was a Babel Conference tiebreaker. It was Devil in the Dark. Number four, City on the Edge of Forever. Number three, Arena. Number two, Space Seed. And number one, The Balance of Terror. 
that was a pretty comprehensive list. And I think one of the things that was difficult for season one, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, I think the three of us all agreed that it was a very difficult whittling down process because it's this is season one of the original series. This is where a lot of the great episodes come from. And just to let everyone know, one of our criteria when we were picking these lists is we wanted to make sure that we were representing Star Trek from the overall perspective of what we believe Star Trek is and if we were going to hand these five episodes off to a new viewer. So, Jeff, did you have the same kind of difficulty that we all did when we were picking these episodes? Oh, absolutely, especially for season one because there are just so many good episodes in that season. Were there any on this list that you had... Let me rephrase that. Were there any that did not make the list that you had in... We had picks six and seven also uh, that you feel strongly that should have made this list. Well, I'm as obviously I'm, I'm very partial to time travel. So one of the ones that was on my list that didn't make the top five was tomorrow is yesterday or I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow is yesterday. I almost mm-hmm. corrected to the wrong title. Um, because like I've said before, time travel is part and parcel of star Trek. We've had it in three times in the first season and we've had it um, at least once. Uh, I, I know we had it again uh, later in the series, uh, and then again a couple of times in the movies. Uh, I mean, several times in the movies. And it's a big part of what Star Trek is, and so I, I felt that one uh, was a very strong one to include. We do have City on the Edge of Forever, and that's another time travel episode, and it is arguably one of the better episodes of the entire series, possibly the entire franchise. But I think also that uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday also reflected the commentary on the times because City on the Edge of Forever, it's talking about changing history. You know, what if Hitler won World War II, that kind of thing. That's that's a great story. But Tomorrow's Yesterday, it had the Enterprise going back to what was then the present day at the height of the Cold War and they're stopping the launch of a satellite with nuclear missiles on it, which is a huge thing at the time that they were discussing. And Star Trek is saying, this is not a good idea. And it was around that time that they started passing treaties to prevent that. But Star Trek was a little bit of ahead of the game on that. Would you make the case that you would probably replace Devil in the Dark? Because you were really... You were really adamant about Devil in the Dark when we were doing this list, if I remember. Um, Devil in the Dark is also a very good episode because uh, it's right up there about the, the same issue uh, with this one is another major theme in Star Trek is that what we our first appearance of something might not be necessarily what things really are. In this case, you know, you had a monster that turned out to actually be the victim of what was going on and the human victims turned out to be the monsters. Right. And that's almost kind of like a recurring theme that happened in the uh, first season is that the Federation has the might, but do they have the right? And I thought that was one of those really great themes that you can really chew on even to this day. So there's a lot of it pays it a lot forward when it comes to thinking about the morality play that happened in season one. How about you, Ken? In season one, were there any episodes that you felt strongly about and would you fight or make a case for those to replace one of the 
lower ranked episodes, say number five or even number four. That I would fight about? Probably not too aggressively. Errand of Mercy was a key episode that I had on my number five list, and I really like that one just for all the reasons that we've talked about before. Introduction of the Klingons and the um, the whole premise behind it, I thought it was pretty solid. And then I had my own ringer, which was the Squire of Gothos, which is probably on no one's top 10 list. But anyway, I really like that as essential viewing. And within my own head, it, it really ties off with Q and the next generation. So, But overall, I, I don't have any um, complaints or arguments to make with the, the final list on the Babel Conference. There's a lot of good episodes, as Jeff said, in season one, a lot. And I know it can be very subjective. But to, I, I would I would not say that the list that we have here isn't something that shouldn't be recommended. I would highly recommend it. They're all great choices. Right. And another thing that I wanted to point out is that our list isn't set in stone. You have three perspectives here that we had certain agreements on and we were able to deliberate on a lot of different points. So if you haven't listened to episode 119 or 120 or 121 where we covered seasons one, two, and three, respectively, please do so because we cover each one of these episodes plus alternate choices very in-depth, and we struggled a lot with our choices because Star Trek has a lot of really strong choices that rise to the top very quickly, and then some that have a little bit more uh, research that needs to be done in order to make sure that our, our recommendations make this list in a very legitimate way. Uh, for me, for this top five for season one, I agree with every choice. They're all great for all the reasons that we've said before. If I were to pick something specifically or selfishly, it would have been Errand of Mercy over Devil in the Dark just because it's the first appearance of the Klingons. John Colicos as Kor is probably the greatest Klingon, in my opinion, that's ever been put to screen. And it's the Organian Peace Treaty. It starts this um, soft detente between the Klingon Empire and the Federation that we see in future episodes where we're not at total war because of what happened in this episode. So that's just one that has a lot of future forward payoff in Star Trek in general and not just in the original series. So we have really strong choices here for season one. Now, how about season two? And Jeff, why don't you cover that for us, please? All right, well, and another note on this uh, with uh, Ken, it's not just you about Q and Trelane, because there's an entire novel that goes into explaining how Trelane is actually a Q. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I do. I know, I know I'm not too, too far off in the stratosphere with that. And one thing I'll say to you, Jeff, you like time travel so much, you must be a big Voyager fan, because I think all but three episodes involve time travel in that series. Uh, it certainly seems that way, um, <laughs> as much as... Uh, DTI was giving uh, uh, Cisco uh, uh, talking down and claiming headaches about uh, Kirk and his violations. I hesitate to uh, see the the palpitations they went through when Janeway got back. Oh yeah, yeah, she was in big trouble. All right. So also, our... but before you start, DTI <laughs> only ATOS would throw the acronym for the what is that? The Department of Temporal. The, the Department of Temporal Investigations. Investigations. So. And that also is now turning into a series of novels as well. So he just, he, just because he can say DTI, he does. And <laughs> that's why we love ATAS. So well, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Hey, those guys are pretty funny, too. <laughs> I, I was writing DTI fan fiction before there was even a DTI. <laughs> um, yeah, so for our second season, uh, which we covered in 120, uh, we have our top five with the uh, number five, the Babel Conference tiebreaker was The Trouble with Tribbles. Number four, we have Mirror, Mirror. Number three is Journey to Babel. Number two is A Mock Time. And number one is The Doomsday Machine. 
That is a stellar lineup of Star Trek episodes. Oh, it's and great. Probably in a lot of the lists that are out there on a lot of the geek sites that we've mentioned before, like io9 and Gizmodo, uh, they have a lot of these episodes in their top 10. And there's only so much room in top 10, obviously. We have five out of the top 10 picks, which only leaves five left for the rest of Star Trek. So that's another reason why we wanted to do this per season is because we felt that in a top 10 list on all these sites that not every single option for a really good episode was represented. <sighs> the Doomsday Machine, Amok Time, Journey to Babel, Mirror, Mirror, The Troubles, Troubles. This is like Star Trek DNA we're talking about, especially in the original series. But of course, we had some alternate picks that we deliberated on in episode 120 as well. And that's why we had to throw up number five, The Trouble with Tribbles, to the tiebreaker because there were other options that we had that we felt may have been a better suggestion for a recommendation. So, uh, Ken, did you have anything here that you would like to talk about in terms of an option, an alternate option for number five? You know, it was it was wild to look at this list because for my list, the only difference I had in the top five were a couple of the rankings. Otherwise, I was aligned with this, so I was I was thrilled that the uh, the votes came out the way they did. I know you had some some alternatives, but for me, no. And, and you know, season two, that is it, 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 just like season one. There are some. Some some really strong strong episodes and it's loaded across the board. So, I I guess I would say I highly recommend this list and that the people that came up with it were obviously brilliant. Well, they were. I'd like to shake their hands at one time or at least get to dinner, you know, with all of them and take a picture <laughs> and put it on the table conference. Could get expensive. Right. <laughs> you know, but actually, Ken, you and I actually um, had a discussion about this, and you said that the toughest thing about season two was not the fact that the choices were tough. It's just that the whole season was so consistently strong. Right. right. Yeah. And that was, that was hard to whittle it down to seven because we had seven, we whittled it down to five and then we whittled it down to our top picks plus the Babel conference tiebreaker. How about you, Jeff? Uh, were there any issues here with you for your list? Um, not really. I mean, Tribbles wasn't on my list of uh, when we were doing our top seven, uh, for, uh, uh, 120. But, uh, I mean, I, I can't argue with it being on the list. It's a very solid episode. Uh, but I mean, like you mentioned before, uh, when we were going through these the first time, you know, I can see the, the problem with how the Klingons were portrayed in that episode. It, it was a little inconsistent with how they were portrayed before in, uh, Errand of Mercy. And so that's, you know, that's a very good point on why that would be knocked down in favor of another episode. Uh, um, but it, it's, it's very difficult to, uh, to argue with this list because there are so many good episodes in season two just like in season one and it's just a very consistently good season and and thank you for bringing up that point with the trouble with tribbles because i love the trouble with tribbles don't get me wrong and i don't want anyone in the babel conference to get me wrong i really do that's consistently in my wheelhouse it goes into the replay list all the time but when i'm looking at these particular episodes the reason why i didn't put trouble with tribbles on my list was because when you want to do comedy in Star Trek, I don't necessarily believe that the Klingons should have been part of that comedy act because you're dealing with, well, and it's no, it's no uh, secret that I actually do love the Klingons in the original series because 
again, I spoke of Errand of Mercy for season one. And now I wanted to see a better follow-up with the Klingons in season two. We did get it before in Friday's Child that came before uh, Trouble with Tribbles, but it wasn't that it wasn't the sequel that I wanted. And now you have the Klingons um, on the spotlight again, and they are just kind of like the foil here. They weren't there wasn't really any development for the Klingon Empire. It was just it was great to have William Campbell back because he was great as the Squire of Gothos, and obviously he was a fan favorite actor. But if he really wanted to get into the comedy, I would have put a piece of the action on top of that because the piece of the action was all about comedy, comic timing and having your favorite actors in situations where they get to show off that little bit of a facet in their repertoire of acting, especially Leonard Nimoy, who plays the best straight man ever. So that's why watching Kirk trying to drive a stick shift on uh, Ioshio was pretty funny. Well, the irony on that scene is brilliant because you have literally like the best starship commander and his first officer. And they and can't they drive can, stick and they can't drive a fliver. <laughs> you know, they can't drive that. So it's, it's just funny to put him in those situations. And I felt that in terms of a comedy, I thought it was well-rounded and probably a little bit better than what they were doing with trouble with tribbles, even though trouble with tribbles is a staple favorite amongst all the fans. So you're right. It was a very difficult choice of selections for season two but i think that we have a solid list here and i don't think that there's really anything that can be too severely argued uh, amongst the fans if i could say i i think that what you what you're saying about the trouble with tribbles and how it portrays klingons is is accurate but if we if we really look at it as to what are the key lists for new listeners to uh, the key the key lists for new viewers to watch someone that had been potentially watching the newer movies, what's going to really connect? And the Trouble of Tribbles, because it has a Tribble, and there's other episodes that are based on it, and anything you do in Star Trek, you know, you can you can buy Tribbles. So they're everywhere, and I, that's that's why I think it's it's important that it's it's high on the list. I don't know if it necessarily has to be number five, but I think it is important for new listeners, and excuse me, I keep saying that, new watchers, new viewers of Star Trek, the original series, to see this, as one of the key ones. Now, you're absolutely right as far as comedy goes. It doesn't uh, compare it to a piece of the action. That was a much funnier episode. By far, it was a lot funnier. No, that's a great point, Ken. You're right. Just in terms of the overall merchandising of Tribbles and the iconography that Tribbles has in Star Trek, it's just, you're right, they are... <laughs> they proliferate even past outside the episode itself. <laughs> there you so. go. <laughs> uh, they they have shown up in some form or another in pretty much every version of Star Trek except for Voyager and possibly Next Generation. I could swear that uh, there was an episode where there was a kid that had a stuffed Tribble toy. <laughs> in the Next Generation? In the Next Generation. It, they got to be out there somewhere. It was, it was like season one or season two. But there was this well, girl that had a little stuffed Tribble toy it wasn't an actual trouble, but um, I remember that pretty distinctly. Well, I guess by an extended relationship in a way, Worf was struggling with tribbles because he did make that reference in Deep Space Nine. It's like, we do not talk about it. <laughs> well, not that part, but, you know, it's a... Uh, what did Odo say? The Great Tribble Hunt? Yes, The Great Tribble Hunt. Songs for yeah. soul. Song. <laughs> <laughs> and, so at least they were there. And, yeah. and you know, we uh, uh, we see Tribbles in the reboot films. We saw them in Enterprise briefly. Um, mm. Voyager is about the only one I can think of that didn't have Tribbles in it. You know, so they, I mean, they are, they are the thread that, the, the tie, the Tribbles that bind. That's right. I guess, if you will. Okay. And, so, and yes, they're everywhere uh, because they breed like Tribbles. I do. You know, it's uh, 
Don't leave it. They're kind of like the gremlins, you know, of like the 23rd and 24th century. You know, don't feed them after midnight and don't put them in water. Just don't feed them. Yeah, don't feed them, period. Because <laughs> they're born pregnant, I believe. Um, okay, like so... Time, quite a time saver. <laughs> so season three. Season three, uh, and that would be episode 121 on the Standard Orbit podcast list. That was probably the more difficult of the lists to get because... Season three, the cream rose to the top very quickly in season three. And then you had a couple of really diverse choices that the three of us had when it came to comparing our lists. But we did. And we finally, uh, with the help of the Babel Conference, were able to get our top five put uh, and refer all um, recorded for all memoriams here. So two, though, however were chosen by the Babel Conference. And those two were number five, Spectre of the Gun, and number four, Day of the Dove. And then number three was All Our Yesterdays, number two was the Tholian Web, and number one was the Enterprise Incident. And again, this was probably just the three, the Enterprise Incident, Tholian Web, All of Our Yesterdays, those aligned pretty quickly towards the end, probably around choices one and two for all of us. But those next three those are a little bit more difficult. Why do you think that was, Ken? Why do I think it was more difficult? I, yeah. I Well, you know, when I looked at the list and I went back to my list and after it was done, the, the big the big switch for me was the Savage Curtain. That was in my, my top five and All Our Yesterdays was not in my top five. But ironically, if I remember correctly, all of our top sevens were there. I don't remember there being an outlier. I also remember that Jeff and I agreed a lot, which wasn't common on the first two lists. And that, that, that was interesting to me because we were just coming from things from the same perspective. But there just there were just so many episodes that were just eh, marginal in season three. I mean, there were some others that I really liked and that, that I considered like Alan of Troyes. I, I just thought some of the lines in that uh, that show was just brilliant, and it was it was it was a pretty decent episode. But um, overall, I think that the the struggle was more in the ranking of the list. I, I bet you that um, if I was to guess, that eighty five to ninety percent of the people would come up with the same top seven episodes. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about this, I think that uh, well, you and Jeff actually had Spock's brain as uh, you both picked it at like number seven, and I think right. that you. You uh, did Savage Curtain as well. Yep. Both of you. So, but it was interesting putting this particular list, especially the tiebreakers on the Babel Conference, because I believe four out of our seven choices all had about two votes to them. So, I mean, they were all, and they were covering like the Cloudminders and the Savage Curtain and Spock's Brain. Spock's Brain actually got some love on the Babel Conference, which is actually kind of cool. A little. Yeah. yeah, just you know, more than I thought. <laughs> more than I thought. So that was really interesting. Um, were there any uh, any surprises here at all? Uh, were there any episodes that you really would have made more of a case for, Jeff? Um, I think you know, about the only one that I could really uh, make argument for to include on the top five list would probably be uh, Savage Curtain, um, just because the interesting perspective of concepts of good and evil, the portrayal of same in the different characters that were pulled from the minds of the enterprise crew and how that reflects on the people of the enterprise crew in that these are the people that were chosen from their minds. And this is how they were portrayed from their perspective. Okay. No, and you're right. And we had 
Serac pulled out a Spock's brain. You know, we had Abraham Lincoln, we had Colonel Green, and Colonel Green obviously pays it forward uh, in very other interesting uh, examples. So, right, Kalis as well. So you have all of these pretty legendary figures in Star Trek that we've seen probably for the first time, at least in the flesh and blood in the first time here. So Kalis showed up again in Next Generation too. Right. So you're seeing kind of like the way that these... um, it's almost like a moment of a future forward episode where you get to see some of these icons, you know, for the very first time. So, so that's pretty much it. So those are our 15 choices that we've split over the last three episodes for standard orbit. And one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to get the voice of the Babel conference involved because these were our picks for you. And we wanted to see what you would come up with in terms of rankings. So for the last, say, week-ish, we put this up on the Babel Conference as polls, and I'd like to read for all of you the poll from number 15 to number one, and we are going to do some tiebreaker shenanigans here and make sure that we can uh, use all of your influence to get your top 15 list uh, recorded for all of time and memorial. So, and I wanted to also thank everyone for being such great participants. It it moves me to know when to to see that there's still a lot of the original series enthusiasm and love there because there are a lot of people that did participate in these polls and there's been a lot of really great commentary on all of these polls. So, thank you so much for just taking the time to stay with us with all of these conversations and to make your voice heard on the Babel Conference for Standard Orbit. So, Drum roll, please. Number 15 on the top 15 ranked by the Babel Conference is Spectre of the Gun. So I'm not really all surprised with this in the rankings. You know, it's, 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 a, it's an enjoyed episode. It's one of the ones that, remember, all the 15 picks come from our list. So I think it's pretty much where it needs to be. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. So we have a tiebreaker here for number 14. We have All Our Yesterdays and Day of the Dove. I'd like to actually have both of you do the pros and cons with this to see if we can split the difference and see which one is going to be number 14 and which number one is going to be 13. So Ken, go ahead. All Our Yesterdays, Day of the Dove, where do you rank these two in terms of one over the other? Okay, I would have to say that probably All Our Yesterdays trips it a bit. I, uh, I've i watched both episodes fairly recently. I think that uh, from the action point of view and the Klingons and just being the the villains of Star Trek, that Day of the Dove is, is really good. But all our yesterdays challenges us in different ways completely. I thought, one, the technology and the brilliance and the idea that uh, a planet that was about to explode, that they had come up with a way for their population to survive. Uh, that they fell into this this trap. Also, the political aspects of why Zarabeth was was um, w- was put into the Atavacron and sent to well, five thousand years in the past. But the other piece of it was watching its impact and effect on Spock and and how that drove things. So I would say that all of our yesterdays is slightly above Day of the Dove. Okay, how about you, Jeff? Uh, I would agree for all of what he said, plus Mister Ataz. Uh, without this episode, without this episode, there is no Mr. Atos. There is no Atavicron. And uh, I, I really enjoy those aspects of it. Uh, I, it was a very well done episode. Uh, it 
made you think about things a lot uh, in ways, you know, about, about the the political situation, the you know everything that's going on with Kirk, and he's separated from Spock and McCoy. Spock and McCoy have to deal with each other on the personal level while they're trying to find a way to maybe get home. Spock is losing it, and McCoy is the one that has to hold it together, which is a complete inversion of how things normally are between them. And that's a very interesting uh, 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 way of uh, putting the two characters together. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you guys here on this one. I do like um, All Our Yesterday is a little bit over Day of the Dove. Day of the Dove is a really great bookend to Errand of Mercy, and it shows you that the Klingons and the Federation, they can put their differences aside to work together towards a common goal. That's that's an interesting aspect, and again, it's that soft to the taunt that I was talking about that was based off of the Organian Peace Treaty and Errand of Mercy. But what the strength is in All Our Yesterdays is that you still have the strength of the of the Trinity. You have the Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, especially here, Spock and McCoy, because this is where they shine. This is where they have these really great moments between Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, and you really get to see at the heart of the matter of these two characters. I thought that Mariette Hartley as Zarebeth was really interesting to watch, and I just like the, the aspect, like you're talking about, Ken, of this library, this, um, you know, where all of this knowledge has been poured and stored, and then you have Mr. Atos. Well, whichever one it was, whichever Mr. Ataz you were talking to involved in the dynamics. So just for that, I would I would tip the scales on All Our Yesterdays and Day of the Dove. So Day of the Dove will be ranking then number 14, and then All Our Yesterdays will be number 13. So now we get to number 12, and number 12 on the Babel Conference list would be the Tholian Web. So a little lower or a little higher than you think it should have been. I think it's or right about where it should be. It's about where it should be, I think. I think it's, it's pretty it's good. good. I, it's so hard. You're talking about all the best episodes out of 79 total episodes. Right. Okay. Right. I'm all right with it. All right. Um, it's interesting that you have the Spectre of the Gun, Day of the Dove, All Our Yesterdays, and the Tholian Web all season three. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that it kind of represents. I mean, we, we remember, we were dealing with, you're right, the top 15 episodes, four of which right now are in the bottom third, but they are in the top 15. So that's, that's pretty good in and of itself. Sometimes in some lists, they don't even make it this far, which I think is great about our lists. At least they had a chance to make it this far. So for number 11, we have arena. How do you guys feel about that? Not in the top 10? Well, it's close. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful episode. I think we all Liked it an awful lot and probably a little surprised that it's at 11. I would say this is probably a top 10 episode. If, you know, for the trip list, that would be on the top 10. Okay. How about you, Atos? Yeah, I think this one would be more 10 than an 11, but yeah. And when you, when you hear the top 10, yeah. it's going to be really interesting. Let's return to this. Put this, put this aside for a second because let's return to this because in our top 10 which one of these episodes would you supplant for Arena? So we have a tiebreaker situation here again, and these are really tough choices here for numbers. It would be 10, 9, and 8. So the next three choices that we have, and they were all tied from your votes in the Babel Conference, we have Space Seed, Devil in the Dark, and The Trouble with Tribbles. So I'm going to leave it up to you guys. I'm going to moderate 
your choices and your recommendations for these three. So Jeff, let's start with you. Where would you rank these three in terms of where one tips the scale over the other? Um, well, I would put Space Seed at the top. Uh, you know, the whole backstory with Khan and the eugenics wars and all of that and how it ties in later Star Trek with uh, Wrath of Khan and again into the reboots with Into Darkness. Uh, I think that's a very important episode to have in the top 10. Uh, it's also a fan favorite for very good reason because it's a very well-written episode. It's got some really good commentary on uh, the nature of man and how you can make all the technology you want, but at heart, people are still basically the same. And even with all of the advances of the, tech the technology and society of the Federation, people were still basically just like people today. And I thought that was a very interesting uh, takeaway, uh, especially in cons uh, comparison to later versions of Star Trek where people are a little more perfect than they are today. And uh, that, that was a nice, uh, uh, a nice comparison there. Devil in the Dark, very good episode. I think that would be my next one. Uh, so I would put Space Seed at 8, Devil in the Dark at 9, Trouble with Tribbles at 10. Um, Devil in the Dark, like I mentioned before, uh, that's, you know, you've got the juxtaposition of what you think is the monster turns out to be the victim, and what you think are the victims turned out to be the monsters. And that's a very interesting story as well. And then, Nothing. And, nothing ever changes yeah, except man. Nothing. Right. <laughs> uh, and uh, diplomacy is warfare concealed. That's right. <laughs> um, oh, they be, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trouble of Tribbles, uh, I put that at 10. Uh, it's, it's a good episode. Tribbles are everywhere. You know, they breed like Tribbles. You know, you, you'll find them all over the place, just like I was saying earlier. So that's, you know, I could see that in the top 10, but I think I might switch Tribbles and Arena out personally. Okay. How about you, Ken? I agree with Jeff and what he's saying. I think Space Seed, because of the history and how it spawned two different movies, uh, that are attached to it, and a lot of the results of Khan's existence, how that played into the trilogy of 2, 3, and 4. Devil in the Dark, very good uh, uh, situation there. Like you said, Jeff, it, it turns things on its ears. I don't look at the uh, victim and the monster things. Uh, some, some things are done in ignorance, and I don't think there was any malice by the miners at all. And uh, it was just really trying to understand between the two. And if you didn't have somebody that could... I guess, you know, be empathic or telepathic, then things would have just kept on going the way they were going. So it would have, it would have gotten ugly. And the trouble with Tribbles, again, it's a legacy show. It's, uh, it's, it's really difficult to move it out of the top 10 for new viewers, I think, because you really need to understand what happened in this episode. If you want to understand why Tribbles are popular and, and uh, it, it, probably produced one of the better episodes and I'm a big DS9 fan so there's a lot of great episodes in DS9 but just how they made that um it, it was incredible and of course the tribbles are in the uh, the animated series as well so I think the list is probably set correctly for now there's probably some other ones I might switch arena with as we move up the list but uh, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with these three where they are all right and uh so we have eight, Space Seed, nine, Devil in the Dark, and 10, Trouble with Tribbles. Number seven, we have Mirror, Mirror. So I think it's a pretty decent spot mm -hmm. for Mirror, Mirror. I mean, considering for what's coming up. 
Now we need another tiebreaker here. And this is the last tiebreaker for the Babel conference choices. And this is going to be a really interesting one because these are pretty decent heavy hitters here. More than decent. These are legendary heavy hitters here. The Doomsday Machine and Journey to Babel. These are about as Star Trek as it gets. So, Ken, let's make your case for one of these two episodes. Okay. So I'm thinking about this. Two ways. You've got um, all the introductions to all the different species that you're going to meet, all the different, I should say, participants in the Federation, it's, which is very important to Enterprise and it's very important to the legacy of the show. And then you just have Doomsday Machine, which is just an incredible, I think, very uh, emotional drama that um, can show the impact of, of war and battle and loss. And it's so well made and so well done that that's probably what just tips it a little bit for me. I'm a big Commodore Decker fan. I love it when you bring in other ships uh, into the fold. And then I'm sitting there, yeah, but it doesn't have Kirk Fu, like Journey to Babel. But yeah, I, I think I would have to say that number five on this list for me would be the Doomsday Machine over the Journey to Babel. How about you, Jeff? Um, I'm going to have to disagree with this one. I'm going to take the Journey to Babel over the Doomsday Machine. Okay. Um, because for the same reasons that you were saying, Journey to Babel, it sets up everything that comes later with the Federation. You've got the first inter- uh, appearances of the Tellarites, of the of the Andorians. You have Orions trying to interfere with what's going on at the Babel Conference, which again is referenced in Enterprise later. Um, you have Corridan, which plays another role in Enterprise. You have all these other interactions going on, things that get set up that pay off throughout the rest of the franchise. And the Federation, as we know it, really was established in this episode because um, you've got Vulcans, you've got Andorians, you've got Tellarites, you've got Corridan, you've got humans, you've got all these other races coming together and they're peacefully resolving this situation over whether or not Corridan should even be a member. And... Then you have the Orions coming in trying to upset the balance of things. And that is very interesting uh, storytelling. And it again, the Orions are a big part of season four of Enterprise. And Corridan was in season one. And then they appeared again later at the end of season four. And it's all ties together again. And really to understand how things are going with the Federation later this is kind of your primer uh, on Federation politics and the Federation interactions. Whew. Both very well deliberated gentlemen. And because I'm sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in, I agree with both of you for all the points that you've made because I am a huge fan of the Doomsday Machine. It is, it is one of my heart of heart episodes for the original series. I will put that episode pretty much above any other episode in my heart of hearts, but the list isn't about my heart of hearts. The list is about, like you said, like you said, Ken, with the trouble with Tribbles, how it permeates throughout all of the Star Trek lexicon. And if I have to make a tiebreaker for these two episodes, I would actually pick Journey to Babel over the Doomsday Machine for many of the reasons why Jeff said. It is because it has far deeper reaching incentives for the rest of Star Trek, especially with Enterprise. The Doomsday Machine is a great one-shot episode. It has probably some of the best acting you've ever seen with William Wyndham 
as Commodore Decker, just the, the sheer loss and tragedy of what he's suffering from losing an entire ship. The colossal weapon, that's the Doomsday Machine. The way that you see Kirk pull it all together with this, the minor resources he has when he's on the Constellation because it's already been chewed up so badly. Just And you know the great interaction with Wyndham and Nimoy uh, when they're playing their chess game and who's in command of the Enterprise. All of that makes for great drama. But in Journey to Babel, you're seeing a lot of things that pay off in Star Trek in general. You're seeing that we see our very first Orion. We see our very first Tellarite. We see our very first version of um, this the ceremonial garb with all of the uh, the attendees of the Babel conference. There are so many things that that pay forward with this episode, especially in Enterprise. So, in ter- like you said, with the Tribbles, you see the Tribbles proliferated all over Star Trek. You see what happens here in Journey to Babel proliferated all over Star Trek as well. The Doomsday Machine is a great encapsulated episode, and it's like I said, in my heart of hearts, one of the best. But for what we are trying to do responsibly with this list, I would have to rank Journey to Babel over the Doomsday Machine in this situation. So we have Journey to Babel at five and Doomsday Machine at six. Yeah, and we we saw Orion's the first time in the cage, but uh, we didn't really see him again until this point. Right, and that's in, we never really took the pilot, yeah. the cage, uh, in consideration here because yeah. we were dealing with the straight seventy nine broadcast and, episodes. And even then, that that Orion that we saw was actually just Vina in disguise, so she doesn't really count. So does that technically mean that Yvonne Craig in Whom Guys Destroy was the very first Orion slave girl that we saw? If she doesn't count, well, she she's <laughs> the, the first actual Orion woman that we've seen. Last year, because Vina was, it was more of a illusion. illusion. Yeah. Right, right. And just like this uh, uh, Andorian uh, representative was actually uh, an Orion in disguise. That's true. Also true. Yep. So we have even more uh, deception involved with the, uh, with the Andorians and the Orions. So there's a lot of, st- I mean, let's, let me put it this way. Neither one of these episodes is a slouch by any means. Oh, no. These are, we're, we're talking like true Star Trek DNA. Either one of these would be on my rotation you know, if ever I felt like a, a need to watch Star Trek or something really super classic. Um, but for, for right now, for this list, we have to kind of like play by the rules of the game. So here we are now. That was the last tiebreaker. And we are in, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is the, the heavy hitters, uh, according to both us and the Babel Conference. Because a lot of us are in line with um, what these choices were. So number four on this list of 15 would be a mock time. And any situation here that you would like to talk about, you feel like it is pretty decently represented at this list on this on this list level, Ken? Yeah, I think it's decently represented. And like I said, the uh, the other shows that we talked about that have a lot of legacy impact, this is one of them. Real understanding of the Vulcans and how things work there. And it, you learn a lot about Spock. You learn a lot about his culture. And um, I, I think that's that's fine. I, I think it's a, it's a very strong episode. It, it launched season two, and I thought it was a great way to kick off that season. So if you watch things in order and you come off all those really strong episodes in season one, this one follows right where it should. And that's kind of funny how I look at it. But, yeah, it, it really does hit just about right as number four. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ataz? Yeah, this is a great uh, introduction to the Vulcans. I mean, we even hear some of the first Vulcan words ever uttered were in this episode. Uh, um, and we meet T'Pau for the first time, and she's just a force of nature, really. Yeah, this was pretty much the Vulcan episode. You see a lot of their culture. 
You see a lot of how it pays forward to the rest of Star Trek. There's a lot to be said here, and we've pretty much discussed this ad nauseum uh, when our, we when we did our season two podcast. That was in episode 120. So I agree. I think a moth time is right there. It definitely should be for me at least in the top five. Always, you know, it's it just in my opinion uh, from a a list that we're doing here or a nostalgic list. It's just there's so much to unpack from a mock time that affects the rest of the of the tapestry of Star Trek. And it gave us that great fight music. Right. And thank you, Brendan Shea Matala, for correcting me on that when I said it was about Arena. It was not about Arena. It was totally about a mock time moving forward and obviously Gamesters of, of Triskelion. So um, now the next choice, number three, I do, this is the first time that the three of us actually all agreed on our number one pick for a season. And number three is the Enterprise incident. And I am so glad that a season three episode has made it this high. Do you guys believe... Well, obviously, the, the Babel Conference believes that. And the really cool thing about this, too, is that I had to split the polls up into two lists because I can't post all 15 on a Facebook list. And it still rose this high in the individual votes. Do you guys think that uh, it deserves that? And did we get it all right to begin with? Yeah, this episode definitely deserves to be in the top five of any essential Star Trek list. It is one of the best episodes of the original series, period. Okay. And we covered this all in season three and 121. Mm-hmm. So we we went at length about this, but we love this episode. Obviously, the Babel Conference loves this episode. Ken, what did you think about this at number three? I think it's well-placed. Uh, I could make an argument when we get to the next two if I should switch one of those out cliffhanger here but i do i i hey i I can't say enough about the enterprise incident it was a magnificent episode and it should have if if it had let off season three the way a mock time let off season two i think that the general perception of three would have changed quite a bit i know there was some really funky episodes in season three that a lot of people really didn't like and it pulls it down but it's uh it it's 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 a great episode that stands alone and i think that you know when we when i talked about it when we talked about it in our last episode how much passion i had for this and for the reasons that they were doing things and whatnot i i liked it because it would realistically be something that the federation would have to do in order to survive and the way they did it was was perfect. I thought it was just a, a well-written, well-acted, and had a lot of great action in it. And we all like lots of starships, so how can you beat the Enterprise incident? Right. And when we saw it, when we reviewed our lists, we were reviewing a lot of the remastered HD versions with the new effects and the new ships. And when you actually do make changes that the way they did in the Doomsday Machine or in the Enterprise incident, in terms of visual effects and the way that the ships are laid out... It changes the storytelling a little bit, but it do, it does it for the better. Well, a lot better because there were you know there was a situation there where instead of three D seven Romulan style ships, there was two there were two D sevens in a in a in a bird of prey in there, which obviously is the signature Romulan ship. So it made a really cool change, and yeah, I could gush over this. I won't because I want you to listen to the other podcasts instead. So, <laughs> <laughs> so number three, the Enterprise incident. So here we are. We are with number two and number one. And um, thanks for listening to the show, everyone. We'll catch you on the next episode. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice guy. Number two. Yeah, right. number two. Ooh. Number two. Number two. Number two. City on the Edge of Forever. 
Um, probably not a surprise for everyone, especially the people that voted on the Babel conference. This had a um, an incredible amount of votes behind it. And I do think that uh, in some of our discussions and even some feedback on the Babel conference, a lot of our listeners and supporters were like, why wasn't this, why wouldn't this be number one in every single one of your lists? Uh, we make our cases for that uh, when we did season two. Uh, I'm sorry, season one. And um, there's just a reason for that. There's There are specific things that we felt that kept, uh, kept this at number two. And uh, what do you guys think? Number two, I think it's a fair space for it. I know what Ken's going to say, I think. But um, I think it's a fair, fair spot on the list for something that's, at least in terms of the lexicon of fandom, is this high. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, yeah, I, I have a, a feeling I'm probably going to be agreeing with Ken on this, but uh, I would actually personally switch out uh, two and three. Uh, I would rank Enterprise and Incident higher personally, but it definitely deserves to be on the top five. Uh, it's a, it's an excellent episode and it's one that gets replayed and gets a lot of love from fandom and for very good reason. It's a very good episode. It's very well written and it explores, uh, you know, the concept of time travel and how you change one thing and it has the butterfly effect and totally messes up everything down the road. In this case, you know, with the, uh, Nazis winning World War II because one woman survived. Um, but it, I, I, like I said earlier with, uh, uh, when I was talking about, uh, um, tomorrow's yesterday for season one, that being one of my picks, I would actually put that one higher than city on the edge of forever personally, because I think it's more in line with star Trek as a whole and telling their stories in relation to the current events of the time. And that one was more representative of that with the start, uh, the time travel aspect and the social commentary. How about you, Ken? It's funny. I have, I have very mixed feelings on the city of the edge of forever. It has always been one of my favorite episodes. It's always been everybody's favorite episode. And maybe as you get older and you see it a lot, you start to, okay, you, you start to accept it as much. And there's some, there's some controversy about this episode too, with Harless Ellison and his his gig has gotten old as a lot of others have too about his his constant complaining about it and that kind of puts an edge on it to me. I will say that um, as an episode, it was brilliantly written. It was wonderfully acted. It brought Star Trek, I thought, to a whole different level of other space shows. Let's put it that way, just because they were willing to take on such a, a difficult subject with a very, very dramatic ending, which isn't your normal, happy, everybody wins type of an ending. It was a very difficult one. And I'd also don't want to, for, uh, for the sake of time, when this was made in 66, that at the end of that episode, when Kirk says, let's get the hell out of here, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been to even get by the the censors back at that time, because even when I was growing up watching 70s and 80s show, you know, that was said very, very rarely. And if it if it was, it was very controversial. So it was also a gutsy episode. But as time has gone on for me, it's not an episode that when it's on, I got to watch it. It's just not there for me anymore. It's it's great. It's wonderful. Maybe I've seen it too many times. And the Babel Conference Part, uh, participants voted it at number two, so I can't argue it. But as a personal taste thing for me, 
man, there's probably a bunch of episodes I, I put before I did. When I did my list, it was number seven. So that just tells you where it's kind of fallen. And for key watching and enjoyment, it's. I know I'm being harsher than I should be. It should be further up than seven. But uh, I, hey, it is a great episode. It is historic. It's uh, it's iconic. It's all those wonderful things. And uh, sometimes you just gotta you know step back and 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 understand that the the bigger lens, the bigger aperture on this uh, is being seen differently than the way I'm seeing it. And I can appreciate that. And that is a good point about uh, how they ended the show because. Nearly every other episode of uh, Star Trek that I can recall for the original series, they ended it with them, you know, sit, everybody standing around Kirk's chair. They're all sharing a good laugh and they're decompressing from whatever happened in that episode. This one, it ends on a very serious note with Kirk just saying, let's get the hell out of here and very somber music. And that's it. Uh, that's very different from the rest of the original series. Agreed on all points. I think the only thing for me that that I have an issue with. And when I say issue, it's an issue with the list where this is at, is that when you really look at City on the Edge of Forever, there's nothing technically about it that is stamped Star Trek. You can turn this into any great science fiction show. It was well acted. It was well written. The, the, the story, the aspects, it's a time travel episode. And if you took the Star Trek marketing away from it, it's still a great episode. But there's nothing in it that, except for the beginning, there's nothing in it that specifically says Star Trek. Okay, now, okay, send me all the mail. I know the Babel Conference is probably going to send me some emails and voicemails, and that's fine. But I know how nostalgically loved this episode is and how great it's performed. And yes, it is, you know, the, the Harlan Ellison legacy episode. But when you really take a look at it from um, just a mild observational standpoint, when you take the Enterprise out of the situation at the beginning and rename the major players in this, except for maybe Eve Keeler, there isn't anything that says this is a Star Trek episode the way that Space Seed says it's a Star Trek episode or Journey to Babel says it's a Star Trek episode. So that's where for me, it's just kind of like, this is where I would put the Enterprise incident or Arena or a mock time ahead of this episode because it doesn't further Star Trek. It's, it's one of the best of the overall produced and acted, yes. But just in terms of how do you describe the Star Trek brand after watching this episode? That's what I'm getting at here. Because number one, the number one pick, really does exercise the application of the Star Trek brand in almost every detail. And the number one pick for everyone, um, and it wasn't that far away from the city on edge of forever. It was balance of terror. So balance of terror, you and I, uh, Jeff and Ken, we all pretty much gushed all over this when we did our season one. So I think that pretty much is right where it needs to be at the number one spot for this list. I agree. It's uh, we, we, we had a, we had a standalone episode about this, our own. So, so it's, uh, it's phenomenal. It's, it's all things. If, if they were to make the, the Star Trek Into Darkness movie, and they said, we are going to redo Balance of Terror, I would have been so happy because I would love to see this movie made in modern times. I really would. I, I, you know, it's, it's Hunt for Red October. It's all those things all rolled into one, and it would have been phenomenal. But it's it still, with, with the new effects and whatever, it still stands up well. It's a great drama. It hits on so many different things like we talked on before, very historical things, very forward-thinking things. Progressive, I believe, is the term. 
it's uh it it deserves to be number one. I'm so glad that the uh, the conference voted it to to the top of the list. That uh, that definitely aligns with my thinking. All right, Jeff, anything to add there? Um, no, not really. Um, I I agree. This is an excellent episode. Very representative of uh, everything that Star Trek stood for. Um, especially in the fact that the bad guys weren't really bad guys. They weren't evil. They were just antagonists. And they even said right there in the dialogue, if things had been different, I could have called you friend. Uh, and that's cuts to the heart of what Star Trek is all about is that no matter what species we are, no matter where we're from at a heart, everyone is basically the same and we could all get along if we could just put our differences aside. You know, when we take a look at this list, it's interesting that if we flipped City on the Edge of Forever with number three, we would have had Balance of Terror number one and Enterprise Incident, which is pretty much like the bookend of Balance of Terror number two. Does this mean that there is some type of interesting soft romance that we have with the uh, the aesthetic of the Romulan Empire? You know, the uh, that aspect of Star Trek, because we don't get a lot of that in the original series. We got a lot of it in, in, uh, in all the series afterwards, but they were, they were something special. And it's just because you're right, Jeff. It's like, we didn't see them technically as enemies as, as much as these, these, um, these far and away adversaries. We don't know what they were all about. And, and the more that we probed into them, the more interesting that they got, especially when Spock, when Spock said in, in um, Balance of Terror, that they were an offshoot of my Vulcan heritage. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> you know, like, and then we see Mark Leonard with the pointed ears and the, and the eyebrows are like, oh, this is going to be really interesting. So there is, I think, a very, very strong and secret romance that we have with the Romulan Empire in the original series. That's why these are rated so high. And And to that point, also, by exploring the Romulans, that also gives us an insight into Vulcans because they're so similar to ancient Vulcans. Hence, a mock time being so mm -hmm. high. So there really is, uh, I think, a really strong tie with the fans of seeing a lot of this heritage being explored. And I think even with Enterprise, you know, the most popular of the arcs in season four, probably in all of Enterprise in general, in all four seasons, was the Kirshar arc because we wanted to see more of that Vulcan heritage. It's There's a lot there that I think the, the fans just really want to chew on and appreciate. So... So there we are. There we are with our top 15. So I'm just going to read it one more time before we get into our final thoughts. And I'm going to read it 1 to 15 the way that we ranked them. We have number one, Balance of Terror. Number two, City on the Edge of Forever. Number three, The Enterprise Incident. Number four, Amok Time. Number five, Journey to Babel. Number six, The Doomsday Machine. Number seven, Mirror Mirror. Number eight, Space Seed. Number nine, Devil in the Dark. Number 10, The Trouble with Tribbles. Number 11, Arena. Number 12, The Tholian Web. Number 13, All Our Yesterdays. Number 14, Day of the Dove. And number 15, Spectre of the Gun. That would make a great DVD or Blu-ray collection. Absolutely. So before we get into our final thoughts, is there anything else? Is there anything here on this list that you just, just rubs you the wrong way or everyone pretty much satisfied with where the Babel Conference came up with, with their final results? Yeah, very comfortable. They did it. Everybody thought this through, I thought, and uh, it, it came off where I thought it should be. I could still make my argument that Doomsday Machine is better than Journey to Babel, but, you know, I'm a big boy. I can handle defeat. Jeff, congratulations. Well done. And if um, there's no heat in your quarters tonight or anything along those lines, it's uh, I'm sure it's pure coincidence. It's Schmedlap's fault. Blame Schmedlap. When all well, he might not be around to fix it, but anyway, go on. Yeah. <laughs> 
So how about you, Jeff, before we get uh, into the final thoughts here? Um, well, I just think that this is a great list. Um, it, it's very representative of uh, Star Trek overall. Um, there's just like one or two episodes here and there that I think might be better switched out with another one, but they still hit mostly the same points, uh, you know, the same basic themes. So this is a good, good list overall. I agree. I think that, um, it's great to have all of that, all of the people in the Babel conference, like chiming in and letting their voices be heard and to come with us on this journey it's been a great series of episodes, a great campaign, really looking at and studying and delving into these episodes for all the different reasons that we've talked about in all the other episodes. So just a reminder, it's been episode 119, 120, 121, and this 122 is the campaign for what we believe are the TOS essentials for the top 15 episodes for essential viewing. So before we get into the final thoughts, Ken, or these are the final thoughts. Can you wrote something here that's interesting? I'd like for you to kind of uh, close out the show here with what you wrote in the notes. What I wrote in the notes. So for final thoughts, one, I thought this was a great process. I think that the the idea of coming up with a list for new viewers, people new to Star Trek, and what would really excite them was just in concept great because it made us think differently. And I'd really like to compare this list to someone who is new to the series, who's watched these recently maybe, and see how we did. Uh, even how, the, and this is inclusive of all the the um, the votes that we got for the Babel conference. So for me, this is a big deal. And and I'm so curious when you, when you work at something like this, and I know when it comes to these things, it's extraordinarily subjective, and this isn't the ultimate list that somebody says you have to do, but I would love to get great feedback from somebody who's just come into Star Trek in the last few years, who's kind of read, kind of watched through the series. And how did we do? You know, just, just from that perspective and share it with us and all the Babel Conference people that, that participated. And if you're a voter on the Babel Conference and you were pretty new to this, how did it stack up? You know, how did the, how did the list wind up compared to what, what you voted on? And uh, to, to me, that would, be, that would be fascinating if we could get that kind of information. Absolutely. And we love being able to connect with all of the fans and listeners on the Babel Conference. Uh, it's a great treat for all of us to hear that uh, work on Standard Orbit, you know, your refit crew to understand and, and course correct and, and see how we're doing and how we can do things better for you. So this has been a really great partnership with all of you. And we're looking forward to doing it again with something that Ken and I have been talking about and then think that Mr. Atos might be moderating. It's going to be, it's kind of like the Thrilla in Manila for all the people that are out there that understand that uh, reference. But Ken, you came up with a really interesting idea that we're going to be talking about in, um, if not in the next show, in an upcoming show. So let's lay it on them. Let's give them a little bit of a tidbit, a little bit of a tease on where we're going to be going in the next episode or two. Sounds like fun. So for those that you, for those of you that listen often and uh, big, big movie fans, um, you hear a lot, especially with the announcement that Nicholas Meyer is going to be working on the new Star Trek series, that he's the man that saved Star Trek. He's the one that, uh, that drove it and, and allowed it to continue. Well, we're going we're gonna to contest that a little bit. Now, Norm has already admitted on the air that The Wrath of Khan is his favorite movie of all time. Of all time. Of all time. That's incredible. Now, I love The Wrath of Khan, but I am here to tell you that I believe that Star Trek The Motion Picture was actually the movie that revitalized this series and allowed all these things to happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to lay out a case to Mr. Atos. 
Uh, Norm is going to present his on behalf of the Wrath of Khan, and I'm going to present mine on the motion picture. He'll deliberate. He'll ask very specific questions. We'll put it all out there, and we'll see what Mr. Ataz decides and, of course, what the Babel Conference thinks, too. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to hearing both of your arguments on the case. And so am I. I'm going to do a little bit of studying here. i got to dust off the old textbooks. Um, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. Message, Ataz? None that I am conscious of. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be a great show coming up, and we're excited to have you in the Babel Conference also weigh in on it when we present our case. It's been an incredible time here creating our top TOS, Essentials Viewing List, for Standard Orbit. But this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. You've heard Chief Trip sign on. Uh, I'm serious, Ken. Actually, out of the chair, please. Okay, okay. God. <laughs> I guess the Commodore has the con! <laughs> Earl Grey. Did you really write down Groppler Zorn on this list? <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> this is before he achieved Groppler rank. He was only a Soplar. He wasn't a Groppler. Lad. What fruit did he like before he got to apples? <laughs> the orb. I want to hear Worf give a command sometime like, one quarter ramming speed. And then <laughs> yes. someone says, Captain. Regulation specifically states that we cannot go at one quarter ramming speed while we are in orbit of a planet. <laughs> the ready room. To what extent is this episode, uh, you know, the, the writers and producers of Deep Space Nine turning the mirror back at the fans? You know, I mean, I think all of us Star Trek fans at one point or another probably retreat into this universe we love, Star Trek, that is, it's a fictional world. What are you talking we about, Zachary? Are you, you suggesting that, real? like, fans <laughs> might decide to buy microphones and, like, talk about it like it's real for hours on end? To the journey! Next one in line is Spirit Folk, and we already agreed that that is just not necessary for anybody, and let's not torture them with it. Good, let's move on. The characters in the Fairhaven Hollow program begin to suspect <laughs> the Voyager crew after they witness several supernatural occurrences. Commentary, Trek Stars. Tokyo Drift really is the perfect subtitle. Like, you could literally put Tokyo Drift onto the end of any movie, and it would instantaneously become a movie that you would have to see. Citizen Kane, Tokyo Drift. The 602 Club. I hate it when shows that are grounded in reality, but obviously they're not, and they have their characters go through socially important uh, experiences. Literary Treks. It is very much every one of the characters, you know, who, who finds themselves sort of pulled into the conflict that's the heart of this story. They are reacting to a fear of the other. Meta Trex. I'd love to answer your question, but I can't get the uh, visual image out of my mind of <laughs> B. Arthur and Betty White in Starfleet miniskirts and go-go boots. I can totally picture the Golden Girls as Klingons. <laughs> 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 Melodic Treks. What I decided to do was not only would I pick a six degree of separation, not only would I do it musically, but I was only going to do movies that were composed by people who had composed for Star Trek. Saturday Morning Trek. Trek. 
Dorothy had a little bit of a fit with the uh, animators. They had said over and over again, there is no moon in the Vulcan sky. I think it was like the first episode that aired of the original series when they mentioned this because Uhura walks up to Spock and she's like, tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me that I would look good in your moon. And he's like, Vulcan has no moon. I'm not surprised. (laughs) That is an uncanny Uhura. Continuing mission. Yeah, and of course, another great thing is when it's it's all finished and you look at it and go, yeah, we made that together. Yeah, that's that's one of the greatest moments. And people respond to it and say, oh, that's that's pretty well made. The effects are great. The actors are are great, uh, even though they're Dutch trying to speak English, right? <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So, with all the different shows that you've just heard, you can hear all this on Trek FM. So, Mr. Atos, please tell all of our listeners here even those that are reading all of our commentary on the Babel Conference, how they can access all the different ways to find Trek FM across subspace. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm, and you can grab the RSS link there as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes, and it helps us to increase our visibility for new listeners. And we'd love to be able to get a couple more reviews from all of you out there. So if you feel inclined to do so, and if you think that we've earned a really good rating for you, from you, please visit iTunes and let us know how we're doing in terms of a review and a rating. And we would love to be able to read those on the air when they come in. But another way that you can support the network, and it's a very important thing for us because we are a listener and donor supported network is to engage in a program that we have here that supports the network called patreon.com and ken would you mind letting our listeners know how they can get involved and invested in supporting the network that they listen to Hi, Commodore. So patreon is the system trek fm employs to allow fans to financially support our network Please go to www.patreon.com slash trekfm. Your support allows us to bring world-class quality podcasting without commercial interruption. Whatever dollar amount you can contribute is appreciated. If you have the means and can donate $15 per month, that allows you to sit on the table of, excuse me, allows you to sit on the Patrons Roundtable podcast. $25 adds the credit of associate producer to whichever show you decide. The team of Standard Orbit are all contributors. We practice what we preach, folks. We're not just asking you to contribute. We do it all ourselves for the love of this network. So we'd love for you to join our team, and we thank you for your support. Thanks, Ken, for that. And thank you for uh, our two associate producers that help support the network and this show through Patreon.com in one of the ways that you just talked about in the associate producer level. And our two associate producers are Renee Roberts and Richard Rutledge. Thank you so much for all of your support. For both Standard Orbit and for Trek FM through your patronage at patreon.com. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701 and Richard at RUT8972. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us here at the network, you can always find us on a variety of different ways. You can find us at trekfm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. You can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. And you can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm. Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm. And as we have mentioned all over this episode, the Babel Conference. The Babel Conference is our listeners only exclusive page. And this is where you can get involved in all these great polls that we've talked about in this episode and engage your hosts and the programs 
at your leisure because there are so many people posting on the Babel Conference and it's such a great, safe and respectful zone for all of our listeners and supporters to contribute. So you can find that on the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek FM and click discussion on the menu bar. Now, there are a variety of different ways to be able to contact us directly. Ken, please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you across subspace. Yes, for me, it's pretty simple, Norm. I, I'm, I'm a big participant on the Babel Conference. I, I love to read your comments. I love to get feedback. And so please don't don't hesitate to, to IM me directly with any questions or any comments that you have. And also just feel free to reach out through that through that medium anytime you like. So that's where I live on Facebook. Feel free to friend me. I'd, I'd love to uh, to add more listeners to to my own personal network and stay in touch with everybody. So that's where I'm at. Would you mind reminding all of our listeners, please, to something that we really need to get kickstarted a little bit more, and that's the Stump Mr. Atos portion of our show? <laughs> sure. So if <laughs> So if you think that you have a question regarding Star Trek, and we're talking about the shows and, and all the different episodes, and I, I, I could even ask Mr. Ataz how many Star Trek episodes there are. He'd probably know it, but don't answer it, Jeff, in case somebody wants to ask that question. Please mm-hmm. IM me directly on on Facebook the question, and then we'll try to stump Mr. Ataz with it. And if you can stump him, then I will buy a shirt of your choice from Redbubble from any of the t- star, uh, excuse me, any of the Trek FM uh, pr- products, shirts, so forth and so on. So let's, uh, let's try to step it up and stump him. Uh, he's, he's pretty smart, but uh, sometimes, sometimes, especially when he has a flu, you can get him. If he were wearing suspenders, his thumbs would be underneath them. So let's get these questions going, people, because Mr. Ataz, you got to exercise that extra special Star Trek brain that he has here on our network. And speaking of Mr. Atos, how can they get in touch with, get in touch with you across subspace? If you don't have access to an Atavicron or even a stolen timeship named after a DC superhero, you can always find me on the Babel Conference on Facebook. I'm the co-host on the network for both Standard Orbit and Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm also on Twitter at Harlander, and I'm a supporter of the network through Patreon. You can also check out my website, which has been called The Grand Unified Theory of Star Trek, at trekopedia.com, and my independent comic books at bandwidthcomics.com, or search on Facebook for Bandwidth Comics. Awesome, Ataz and Chief, thank you so much for all the contributions that you've given this show and the network over the course of these last couple podcasts. It's, it's been tough, it's been fun, it's been enjoyable, but um, sadly, everything uh, almost have to uh, come to an end, but we have a lot of great programs in store for all of you later on, just like the Why Star Trek Two is Better Than Star Trek. I'm just saying, podcast that's going to be coming up soon, so, you know... That'll be, I don't know, what, five minutes, Jeff? And then we can stick a fork in it and get onto something else. So- okay, here <laughs> we kidding. go, here we go. All right. Ding, 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 ding. All right, Babel, Babel Conference people, start weighing in now. And Doomsday Machine was better than the journey to Babel. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> well, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me here on the network or on the Babel Conference. You can find me on Twitter at Starfighter1701. And along with being a host and an executive producer on the network, I'm also a proud patron of Trek FM through Patreon. Just like Ken said, uh, I put my money where my mouth is literally and figuratively, and I enjoy supporting the network through all of the work that we do here for Standard Orbit and all the donations that we put to the network through patreon.com slash trekfm. So thanks everyone for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.